0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Private Suite magazine interview series. This week I'm joined by Section 9 Tapes, also known as Omni, I think. Uh, Omni, maybe? We'll, we'll find out. And his name is Emmanuel. Welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Glad to be here. How's it going?
0: Oh, I'm fantastic. Just got off of work. It's a beautiful day here in Toronto. Still quite cold, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> it's always cold here. Uh, what about you? Where where are you located, anyway?
1: I'm in the Harrisburg area of Pennsylvania, and it's still a little bit chilly. I mean, this is the first day I could go outside in short sleeve and shorts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it's, a, it's,
0: it's all right. Nice. And you've been there your whole life, or?
1: Yep, I've been here my whole life, except for uh, there was a week I left the country due to honeymoon.
0: Ooh. Went to Bermuda very cool
1: it was absolutely gorgeous out there i want to go back again and what's funny is uh one of the tapes in my collection i bought solely on principle it's bermuda's ice album i bought it because it dropped right when we got back and that was the whole reason i bought it
0: that is that just aligned perfectly you couldn't write that
1: exactly and it turned out
0: to be a really really good album that's amazing so you mentioned tapes um what exactly does that entail? Are you a collector? Do you produce tapes? Well, you apparently buy some. Um, you know, give us the lowdown on your on your tape life.
1: Uh pretty much. I collect anything that I like the sound of. Uh, if it sounds good, I want to support the artist because obviously they put some effort into it, and I got some joy out of it. So here, take my money. Yeah. And um, I've been dealing with tapes since I. Can remember i mean that was the first musical medium besides records that i played with so i mean i've been around them forever in a day so i was like why not take what i know and start making them
0: yeah for sure
1: start putting all these albums out that i want to hear on tape
0: cool so yeah tell us about your production process then so you you make your own i guess right
1: for my own music it's a little column a a little column B sometimes I'll uh, hit up another label because I like what they do or they fit into a story in the case of uh, please hate me ink uh, us uh, me and my uh, buddy when we did the Omadex project we uh, hit up please hate me ink and be like hey can you put this out because it just makes sense then there's I did some of my own stuff independently separate from everything else then i did some of my stuff on section nine um there was uh crunk chris from tiger blood who i know you interviewed a couple episodes back he hit me up when i was trying to get some of my stuff out i put stuff out on his legendary entertainment label Mm. then there was golf audio the one guy with them I showed him uh, the preview of Planet Neo Tokyo, and he just lost his mind over it. I'm like, well, why don't you put it out? And we talked it over, and the other guy went out of his way to make sure that album was to my vision.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like He he wanted to make it happen that way. But that's really it in terms of my stuff. For other people's, it's I'll either approach them or they'll approach me, and we'll discuss a concept of how do you want the... Presentation to look and how do you want this to, you know, basically come out? We'll discuss options, things we can do. Because I'm all about presentation, and my quality check of it is, well, I buy this. So if if I won't buy it, then I won't put it out, and I'll go back to the drawing board until it becomes that thing that I myself will spend money on.
0: Let me just say, you you have some of the best looking tapes in the entire scene.
1: Well, thank you.
0: No, it's a lot of that's
1: just uh, experimentation and you know seeing what works and what doesn't. A lot of YouTube research, googling, how can I make X Y Z work with this thing and it's still playable. Right. Plus, I've also been disassembling tapes since I was a kid and uh, learned splicing at a you know young age, so I can do things like that uh, with all the experimentation and learning that i've done i've learned timing and mastering and the dynamic range of everything from floppy disk to digital and everything in between so well, basically there's a whole process i go to
0: mm-hmm. and so. i
1: forgot to give a shout out to one of the labels that i'm most proud to be on hairs a
0: yeah
1: that guy is absolutely phenomenal i love lee to death he has been just amazing to work with and shout out to him. Absolutely. As if anybody has not checked out hairs of and I highly recommend that label. They put, he puts out some really amazing, amazing work and his tapes look phenomenal. And I'm still proud of God. It was like two months, two or three months or so. Uh, I, gave him the random ideas like why don't i take everything you've put out and just pull a song from every single release and make a big ginormous mixtape that you can put out as a anniversary thing and that's how year one happened and man that that was fun and then we had to go back and change it like five times <laughs> that that was fun yeah because it was either something got dropped and didn't wind up being in 2018 or things got rearranged or I mislabeled something or mm. something was missing and so on. So that, that was, that was fun.
0: Mm-hmm. So just, we,
1: we had a lot of laps with that.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: The, the end result looks awesome.
0: I think. Absolutely, man. Um, just but, to,
1: sorry, I went on a tangent n- there, my
0: bad. No, it's fine. Could, that's what this is about, man. Do your thing. Um, but yeah, just to back up a little bit. So section nine is a sort of DIY only uh, situation, right? Like you're not sending tapes out anywhere. You do everything in house. um You know, the art. For the most part,
1: yes. There are two releases that I did have professionally done, mostly for there's no way I would have been able to do the sheer volume of the Cat Corp telepath split mm. on my own. I mean, I'd probably still be dubbing them today. Wow. Because that is a friggin' long album. And I think there's, what, 300, 400 out in the wild now?
0: That's quite a bit.
1: Ish, somewhere around there. There was a lot. Yeah. Um, The other one that I had done was the second run of the Cat Corp double album. I had those sent out because I don't have the ability to do LED printing. And that one had the full body LED print on the tape, and they just looked so cool
0: mm-hmm. no i didn't manage to get that one in time sadly that one
1: may or may not happen again at time will tell it's all a matter of what does cat corp say
0: yeah okay well we'll play the waiting game
1: <laughs> i mean if he ever approaches me and says hey let's do another run of like 50 75 hundred thousand you know i'll be like all right yeah Let me let me fire up the pre-order machine and go again yeah I legit have no problem working with him again at all.
0: Yeah, he's the best, man. I've, I, I love his work. My favorite producer, we were mentioning before, some of our favorite work from him, um, Family Workshop. That record blew me away, man. Holy crap.
1: I have to say, in terms of CAD Corp, he is still the only mall soft artist that I actually like. <laughs> and it was one of those things a bunch of people were like, oh my God, Palma, oh my God, Palma. Gotta listen to Palma. I finally wore down and actually sat and listened to it. After I bought it just because it was like, okay, I'm gonna buy this because I know it's gonna be worth like a bunch of money later. So I'm gonna buy it as an investment. And I wound up sitting down, popping the tape in and just listening to him like, oh my God, this is actually pretty amazing. So I wound up just getting into a bunch of his stuff from there kind of same thing happened with uh with christ as well i went and met him for the first time in in the uh eastern western side of the state and um he wound up (laughs) he wound up handing me just this stack of tapes of all his stuff that he had in stock and said here you go dive in let me know what you think oh my god and one of them just happened to be social justice whatever and Path just happened to be on me constantly by him. And everybody is like, you got to listen to it. You got to listen to it. It's like the album of the year is like the best thing ever. Finally, I sat down. when Imco, um,
0: Imco Path Is that uh, Liam Wells? Yes. Imco Path. Right. Okay.
1: And then he, when he came down to visit, we sat down. We listened to it straight through. And I'm sitting there the whole time through that whole thing, just being like, I remember this commercial and I remember this thing. I remember that TV <laughs> show. I remember when this was a thing. Just going on like this over the top nostalgia trip of it.
0: Yeah. A nostalgia overload. And
1: it was like, oh my God, this thing actually is really freaking cool.
0: Yeah. I remember his interview with, um, Pad Chennington that he did maybe two years ago, that audio interview. I don't know if I'll be able to have him on the show, but I, I, it was so nice to, um, you know, get to learn about him through pad's interview and I, that might be have been a catalyst for why i like him so much now
1: yeah he is definitely definitely a good chill guy i absolutely love every time i hang out with him and we just talk about everything and just mm-hmm. production and memes and whatever yeah and for sure we both lived through that 90s era even though I'm older than him. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. Like there's uh different generations of vaporwave consumers and producers, sort of like the the pre internet ones and the post internet ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And
1: then, then there's those ones that are right in between, right in the
0: middle of it. Yeah.
1: And we all still somehow get along.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Incredible. Yeah, things. there's
1: there's been a lot of a lot of jokes and a lot of things that I've been a part of since in the last three years, since I discovered Vaporwave in this whole scene, mm-hmm. I think it's been about three years. Yeah,
0: nice. Yeah. Maybe four. Yeah, I was into so it fast. probably
1: for about a year before I started Section Nine.
0: Yeah,
1: but yeah, about four years.
0: Wow. Uh, tell. So I mentioned your project uh, Omni. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Can you help us out?
1: <laughs> it's actually Omni. Omni, and that's actually. Uh, that name is meant to be a reminder to myself. And um, what it stands for is for anybody who knows circuitry or electronics, resistors are measured in ohms, spelled o h m. And sometimes, when you're writing out formulas or circuitry and stuff, the negative polarity is usually just referenced as an n in some of the older, like really old schematics and stuff. Okay. And then influence or um, I forget the other I word, but I went with influence is usually listed as just an I. So for me, that name is a reminder to resist a negative influence.
0: Sometimes you you always, like you wonder about where people get their names from. That's like textbook style. That's really cool.
1: Yep. And I've always been into circuitry and electronics. So just it, stemmed from that
0: that's what i mean like right out of the electronics tech textbook
1: almost yep and yeah. then you take the uh my other alias the dj asher phoenix um <laughs> that one has a funny story i used to ha- have like a plethora of just dis- dj names like at one point i think my first one that i went with was uh dj angry man mm-hmm. and that was um there was a little character thing in a a wipeout series of video games called angry man. So I was like DJ angry man that just wore out. And then I went with, uh, I was going to do DJ Emmanuel. Well, somebody already has that one. So I couldn't do that. Um,
0: actually, where did Asher Phoenix come from?
1: That was when I met a guy by the name of Victor Luchez, who was a resident DJ in the area of Harrisburg. And had all the connections and everything. He saw potential in me. And we are like, okay, well, we need to get you a DJ name. Because your DJ X name is not going to work. Because it doesn't work well and doesn't sound professional. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And it's mm. kind of worn. Which is, anybody who's seen my screen name, DJ EKS, it's actually spelling out the letter X. Which, uh, <laughs> I got that from an instruction manual for... Uh, playstation game i can't remember where they actually spelled the x button as eks oh that's awesome so we were just tossing around ideas and one day while i was at work in the one computer shop i was working in i randomly came up with the idea of a phoenix which when they die they go into a pile of ashes and are reborn from that pile of ashes i'm like well that kind of works and then i looked up dj phoenix but that's taken <laughs> and um I'm like, well, I still kind of want to run with that and wanna mm. play with that because the stemming of that is I was actually about ready to give up on trying to do anything with music or do anything DJ-wise at the point when this guy uh started talking to me.
0: Oh my god.
1: So uh I was sitting there toying with this Phoenix and Phoenix, what can I do with this? And then the random song Asha Zou Asha by Rammstein came on and I'm sitting there jamming out and it just clicked. I'm like Asher, which is the American pronunciation of Ashes German word, Mm -hmm. kind of toying with the phonetics of it and then Phoenix because they're born from the ashes and I'm like, well, how can I work this that it's kind of more unique? So I misspelled the German spelling of Ashes and phonetically spelled phoenix kind of the same way that um uh old punk band phoenix tx did theirs
0: that's hilarious and then just
1: put it together i'm like this actually rolls off the tongue nice and i like this yeah so i just i threw it to him and he was like that actually sounds really good where'd you come up with it and then i told him and it just stuck
0: yeah and actually i was walking home uh from work and then you know texting you to get ready for the interview and a phoenix tx song came on on my phone like i have a crazy huge playlist that goes like years years back everything i've ever listened to basically and i have my own podcast um which is actually still in production i'm just working on the website and things like that and i was like hmm because it's a music podcast and we recommend music to people and i wrote that i wrote uh phoebe cates or whatever that song is by phoenix tx that came on. So, uh, that's hilarious. I haven't heard of them. In, anyone mentioned their name for like 15 years. And then literally, here we are, 30 minutes after I'm listening to it.
1: Man, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to them. I discovered them when me and my buddy, uh, that I was hanging out with, he was introducing me all this punk rock stuff. And with that, I discovered Local H, Phoenix TX, Reggie and the Full Effect. Nice. All, um, a bunch of just random punk rock bands. I'm like, these guys are actually pretty good. So, it that they were right in the the pile of things that he introduced me to. Mm-hmm. AFI was another one he introduced me to. Old AFI, not the newer when they went poppy.
0: Wow, you've got yeah, you, you certainly have a large um musical palette. Um like you touch almost every genre it seems
1: from the 1900s all the way up to now. Yeah. And I can thank my my mom for the uh, the uh, 80s and the rock and roll and the metal from the 80s. That's where I got my Metallica, ACDC, Warrant, uh, F- Firehouse, uh, Scorpions, and all them. Bon Jovi was a big one. Crazy. Uh, my aunt got me the 60s doo-wop and rock and roll from them. And my Uncle Dave introduced me to 1900s to the 19-whatever, whenever the uh, 78s stopped being produced because that was what he uh introduced me to was a 78 shellac records
0: 78 rpms uh, right that's oh yeah
1: yeah okay the old little fragile fast records yeah (laughs) crank the the record player up and then put the needle with the big horn
0: yeah for sure if you if you've come across a 78 do not play it on your record player just forewarn. i
1: have a special needle for that
0: yeah stylus and a turntable
1: that actually will uh spin at 78 rpms
0: and i have you you have a lot of probably a hundred of them oh wow that's that's a huge collection of 78s just on on that topic before the podcast we were talking a little bit about your you know your love for physical media analogs specifically and wow you have some really interesting stuff in your uh, collection. like I don't know if you want to tell us anything about that.
1: You mean like uh, specific tapes that I'm proud to have or just overall?
0: I mean, just interesting analog hardware technology.
1: Well, I am proud to say I now own a reel-to-reel deck, which I've been having nothing but fun with. And I've actually already uh, made a track that sounds very much like Telepath on Accident. Um, using tape processing, where I took this one random reel that I got in a box lot from eBay. I'm like, this little bit of audio here kind of sounds cool. So I took that bit of audio, changed the speed on the reel-to-reel, dubbed it into the computer. Then I took another reel that was empty, and or blank, and dubbed it back, slowed it down again, and dubbed it back, and then started playing with some effects like reverb. And I think I used the barber barber shop or barber pole flange or something, which I know apparently rumor has it. That's what telepath uses. Didn't really use that much. I used a touch of it and then used an actual flange on it. Then I put that effect on it, dubbed it back to the real again, and then started messing with the real physically and dubbing that back and just kind of, Making this weird, cool ambient-sounding soundscape out of just this, like minute-long thing that I found randomly on one of the reels that I got in a box lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that something I, that that takes like a day to do, or you know, several days where you have to kind of come back to it and remember where you left off?
1: Well, with me, usually when I get started, it's hard to get me to stop until I'm done. Mm-hmm. So I tend to go just balls to the wall with it and just keep going and going and going until I either run out of an idea or have no idea where to go with it or I finish it. With that that exact track, I did actually split it up into two days. I did the initial thing um, just sitting in front of the reel-to-reel probably for about two, two and a half hours just playing with it. And then the next day after I got out of work, I uh, started playing more with the effects and everything just to see where this would end up. Mm-hmm. And now I have a 12 or 13 minute track sitting on my computer that I'm eventually going to release. Wow. Cause I'm really happy how that came out. Yeah. I might add some drums to it or something. Cause I did send it out to a couple people. And they're like, kind of needs a beat, but this sounds absolutely beautiful. So I'm toying with some ideas before I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna leave it here or I'm gonna do this and it'll go out. Mm -hmm. I typically don't have an end result. I have an idea or a concept that I want to go with, but usually I'll just sit down and just start kind of playing with things and seeing what happens or something will happen in the moment. And I'll toy that into one of the 20,000 ideas that I have in my head and just kind of see where it goes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So usually everything just happens very organically with me?
0: Yeah, just get into the zone and then let the creative juices flow.
1: Pretty much. There's been times where I've gotten into the zone so hard that I didn't even know I was there, and then <laughs> there's a whole moment of time where I have no idea what happened, and then here I am with a finished thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just focus locked in. Yep, pretty much. Crazy, man. That's awesome. Um, so with Section 9, actually, one question. What kind of tape is used on a reel to reel.
1: That is quarter inch tape and they have like five or six different formulations that they use.
0: Yeah, like different I'm still researching
1: which formulation is which, but I've noticed that the darker colored tapes, the black ones, tend to sound the best, but I've also managed to make the what I'm going to call the normal bias or type one tapes in term you know, throwing cassette terms on it. I've managed to find a way to get them to sound just as good as say a metal type 4 cassette. Like the real to real sounds amazing if you know what it's capable of and what you're doing with it and play within its limitations it can sound just as good as a CD if not better.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, well I I always prefer analog just because like the technology has more room for more feeling of sound. Like with the digital, it's either... It's a one or a zero, so it's more like a grid, and you don't get that in-between, that nice seamless curve, right?
1: Or the... To directly quote the one zombie movie that I absolutely love, Warm Bodies, to directly quote that movie, feels more alive.
0: Dude, that's a great way to to put it. I'm going to use that if that's okay.
1: (laughs) Ain't my line. That's actually what the zombie guy says to the one girl when she's like, why do you hang on to these records? Feels more alive. (laughs) Like he just utters that out. That's amazing. I'm like, that is exactly right. Yeah. I'll
0: have to check out a YouTube video of that.
1: The whole movie is absolutely good. It's basically a zombie movie backwards. What's it called again? Warm Bodies.
0: Warm Bodies. Okay.
1: The, the short gist of it is you follow this zombie guy who's a zombie becoming human instead of the other way around.
0: Oh, wow. When it's actually that movie... a really
1: good twist on the whole zombie thing. Yeah,
0: when did that movie come out?
1: Early 2000s, I want to say.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: Blu-ray was a thing, because I have it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So it was early or maybe mid-2000s somewhere.
0: Crazy, yeah. I, I, I it don't
1: remember exactly.
0: Flew flew under the radar a little bit, because um, there were those zombie movies that people would say are... The zombie movie that you know subverted the norm and that would be uh dawn of the dead i think right where they're like fast zombies and all that
1: yeah that birthed the uh, fast zombies yeah. um then you had the originals i mean for me at the point this movie came out i was so jaded with zombies because everything had zombies everything was zombies i'm like oh mm-hmm. more zombies really yeah a new game would come out it'd be like oh there's a zombie boat really come on, do something different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way.
1: And then Warm Bodies came out, and I'm like, oh, this kind of looks neat. So it was a date night with me and the wife, and we went out and we walked out of that the theater like, wow, that was actually a new twist on it. That was really good. Nice. So I bought it the moment it was released.
0: Yeah, sick.
1: I think I might have to have another movie night with that again.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I'll definitely check it out. And if you haven't checked out Section 9's amazing Bandcamp page. Definitely check it out. There's some incredible music on there. It might be difficult to find a tape because your tapes sell out so quickly. Actually, can can we talk about that for a second?
1: Honestly, I think the reason they sell out so fast is because I don't do large quantities usually, but I'm not all opposed to doing reissues either. And that's honestly a large contribution of why they sell out or why everything is sold out um is it's i'll take on a project i'll be like okay i'm gonna do 10 15 20 of them and kind of test the waters per se and see how it does um if it does really well and there's a demand for it because i'm try to stay on top of Uh, the VCC, Discord, Reddit, and just kind of see what people are talking about, like, hey, we want this album, we want this album, or just kind of see what the demand is. If there's a demand, I'll reissue it again. Mm -hmm. Hence why the Telepath-Cat Corp split came out two or three times. The Cat Corp double album was like three times and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget what else I reissued a couple times. Those were the big ones that I probably spent the most time with. I did. I don't know how many reissues of Flounder Jams, that (laughs) joke garbage of an album.
0: I love that album. Um, Okay.
1: (laughs) Apparently, a lot of people do. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, as much as I trashed that album, I did have fun making it. It it was, but it really was just me poking fun at Echo Jams. That's really all.
0: Yeah. Well, meme records are are like their own genre in a way.
1: Yeah, and then. To be honest, I don't even think it sounds like Echo Jams at all. It sounds more like Future Funk than anything. Well, slower Future Funk. Yeah. But uh, really, that's it. And I I hate to toot my own horn and sound like I have an ego, because I don't. I think the other thing that attributes to it, though, is, as you said earlier, I put a lot of effort and heart and work into every release that I do. So there's always that presentation factor and I think you know that's where I fall into the same category as Sad Chasey, where presentation is always like one of the first things is how am I going to do this how am I going to put yeah. this out and it's going to be like boom there it is I got to have it because it looks pretty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah I love the holograms on his on his work does it how much extra does it cost to get that sort of stuff made cuz his tapes weren't that much more expensive than this, the next tape.
1: Well, he's another one who every time I talk to him, I'm always like, I'm not worthy. I'm not <laughs> worthy because he is, he, he's like next level when it comes to the DIY stuff. Like he is really good with it. Yeah, His music, his videos, everything is just so good. And the guy's definitely a good guy. But um, to answer that question, I don't know yet. To do something to his level, I haven't quite figured it out yet. And I refuse to let him give me the answer because I want to figure it out.
0: Yeah, get some pride. Yeah, it's
1: one of those things like there's everything that I've done with Section 9, I figured out on my own, like figuring out how to marbleize a tape. I did all the research and tested different paints and stuff and figured out how to do it. Still haven't perfected it, but I've got a good, good routine that seems to work rather well um looking into what these different production plants offer to do cool things like the led printed tapes i think i spent a couple hours at office max the one day just going through different paper types to see which ones felt the best and what printing thing worked the best and just to see what makes that good package and then yeah going further experimenting with other things like i did experiment with transparencies at one point to maybe do a transparent label or J card, sorry, um, different label types for the tapes. I've experimented with those from transparent to foil to, uh, pattern printed to different shapes and sizes and all kinds of crazy stuff that I've, I'll just sit here and experiment away. When I come up with a new concept, I go through so much supply till I come up with that template. And eventually, I just get there.
0: <laughs> that That's something you don't hear people talk about often. Sorry, uh, go ahead. I'll let you finish here. Well,
1: that that thing. was that was really it. Uh, I just experiment until I get the end result that I like, and then I save that template and go with it. All the J card yeah. printouts that I've done, I still haven't perfected double-sided yet, but I'm almost there. What I need to do is spend time at the uh, Office Max where I get everything printed, and see how we can align everything up to get it to print to my specifications. And um, yeah, because at home I can do it and everything lines up, but when I go there, everything gets out of line. It's weird. Um,
0: Freaking printers, man.
1: Just like when I have them print the cassette labels, I have to change the alignment because at home they'll print perfectly fine. I go there and everything's like five to 10 pixels off or something.
0: Yeah, like different calibration or different hardware. Sometimes, so many variables.
1: But all those templates and everything, I've made all of those on my own. Sometimes I'll use the duplication CA templates and then I'll modify them to work for my mm-hmm. my means. Everything that I've mm-hmm. done real to real has all been from scratch. Um, mini disc has been from scratch. Uh, even when I did the micro cassettes, I did all that those templates from scratch. What else have I done? Floppy discs. I did all that from scratch. I created all my own templates for that. And pretty much almost all of the layout work is done by me too. And that's trying to get everything to just format right and get it to look good. Sometimes I get lucky and the artist just sends me everything already done. I'm like, cool. Let me just uh, (laughs) resize this to my stuff and we're good.
0: And we're done. Print. Print. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Those, Those are the nice ones. Or when they send all their stuff and it's already mastered properly. Yeah. That happens on
0: occasion. Yeah, well, those are the things I want to tack, like get to with all of these interviews. Like, you know, all what you just mentioned, absolutely. But also, something I've never thought about is how much money these labels and artists are spending coming up with their um, visual idea. Like you said, you you go through so much supplies trying to perfect that idea. How much money do you lose in the process?
1: If I'm creating something new from scratch, I might lose five bucks at most in supplies just experimenting and, you know, here's a test print. Does that work? Nope. Throw it out. Test print. Does that work? Nope. Throw it out and so on and so on. Does this label work? Does this adhere right? Nope. Throw it out and so on. I might go through about five bucks worth of supplies in terms of ink, paper, and such. But once I have everything done and all the templates set up that I can just okay here's everything now I just lay it out in Photoshop to that template so that everything prints out right I might spend 36 to 40 45 dollars per release and then when I sell all the tapes then I take the production cost out and split the profit with between me and the artist
0: right right
1: So, I mean, it's not too crazy. And then with one of the runs with the, uh, we'll just use the CatCorp telepath split. One of those runs, I think I pre-ordered, I don't remember if it was 100 or 200. We'll say for this, you know what? Scratch that. Let's do the CatCorp LED printed tape. Okay. Um, That one, I printed the J cards elsewhere. And had all the cases which I bought separately. So the to have that sent out and come back that was a hundred and sixty something USD, I think, to have them dub everything and do the LED printing. Mm -hmm. And then the box of cases I think was like twenty six bucks, and you get two hundred and no, you get a hundred in that of the cases, and then to print fifty J cards which I can get two per sheet. I think that cost me roughly about 15 bucks. I think. And then I just cut everything and fold everything myself and put it all in its nice, pretty package and send it out.
0: That's awesome. Well, we, we really appreciate the transparency there.
1: Absolutely. And then I even went and bought specific envelopes just for Section 9. So I have the purple ones now. So those I actually wound up getting a good deal. They're like 8 bucks for a pack of them on uh, Amazon.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. You could almost, like, provide a a class or something. Like, provide lessons on how to, you know, master class in cassette crafting.
1: (laughs) Well, I kind of adopted the self-proclaimed mad scientist of cassettes because I've (laughs) had uh, people do video calls with me and they see me disassembling them and putting them together and doing crazy stuff with them.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Crazy.
1: Because I can custom do custom length if i'm doing a one-off thing i can make them shorter but i can't make them longer and that's uh through uh splicing and i have splicing tape just for cassettes and everything
0: yeah no that's absolutely absolutely fascinating man
1: and it's 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 a passion project and it's just something i do for the fun of it i love doing it i love putting them together and then seeing that end result hearing people just like oh my god this looks and sounds great mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking like, but it didn't really take me that much effort to make that, but I'm glad you like it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because to me it's it doesn't seem like it's that much effort, but
0: Because it's a passion. You know,
1: I've talked other Yeah. And then I've, you know, told everybody else, I'm like, Oh my god, that's that's a lot of work. I'm like, eh?
0: <laughs> just my life, you know, no biggie.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Same thing with the music stuff when I go crazy with making them Making a song or something or putting an album together, and I'm just they're like, Oh my god, this sounds so amazing! I'm like, Eh, I, I it didn't take much.
0: <laughs> well, that's the artist curse, isn't it? We never like our own work, yeah,
1: yeah, Sometimes. we're our own worst critics,
0: yeah, that's a better way of putting it. So, definitely follow Section Nine on Bandcamp and Twitter, wherever else he's got his socials. He does amazing work, and um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, tell us a little bit about your music production with uh, Omni Eye. I know you've had a lot of really popular releases, like you were saying. After these messages was huge. Time Hotel. You had one that was just called Vaporwave. Wave. That was really big. I think that was an early one too. Jellyfish. That was actually
1: the first one.
0: Yeah. The
1: first one in the vapor wave style.
0: And then your Wizard of Loneliness split as well. Yeah, tell us about that that stuff.
1: The uh well, usually a lot of the time it's I'll just hear something and be like, "Hmm, wonder what this would sound like slowed down." And then I'll take that slow it down toy with it, just be like, "Hmm, this kind of sounds cool. Let's let's roll with this." And that's usually how it starts. Um after these messages, that one was a challenge to myself. It was like okay, let me do a Vaporwave thing that does not use a computer. No, no, I lie, I lie, I'm sorry. That was unknown analog was the challenge. And I did that whole thing without using a computer. The after these messages was like, I want to do something that's just using stuff from my childhood on Saturday mornings and just play with the commercials and TV shows and whatever was going on at that time from my memory Mm -hmm. and that's where that came from so a little easter egg in that album if anybody actually pays attention to what i did it starts with kind of being very nintendo oriented and ends with sega taking over so you kind of hear the the console wars happen in the course of that album nice it's just one of those little subtle nods that i threw in there Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, Time Hotel was actually inspired. The concept for that was inspired from uh, the last track on Jellyfish. Um, One of the things I did on Jellyfish with that last track is I found this MIDI file of a Tears for Fears song and took that MIDI file and pulled out like a little piece of it and played with the MIDI notes and everything and just kind of used that as my bass. And then turned that into part of the melody of that last track on um, Jellyfish and just built around just that sound. So Time Hotel was taking that same concept of pulling a random MIDI file of something and pulling out bits of that MIDI file and turning it into something completely different. Like Fusion. Fusion the uh, song that I'm most proud of on that was actually a uh, ringtone, one of the MIDI ringtones from uh, the Nokia Engage, And I just took that ringtone and manipulated it beyond recognition and turned it into what we hear as fusion on Time Hotel. One of the tracks is pulling Lady Gaga's um, Just Dance and Paparazzi, I think. I'm sure everybody picked up on the uh, Totos Africa one on side B of it. Uh, there was Sonic CD's title song, Sonic Boom. I used a MIDI file of that and created a track out of it. The, the one noisy track that's just kind of sounds very random is actually Bjork's um, Human Nature, I think. And I happened to record a sample out of a Skype call with uh, one of my friends, his phone vibrate. I'm like, that sounds kind of cool. And I just turned that into a MIDI instrument and started manipulating it with using that MIDI as a base foundation for that little, I think it's 56 second track.
0: That's incredible, um, man. I really admire your quick ability to discover an idea and then run with it and get it into production like straight away. That's really cool.
1: Speaking of discovering ideas, (laughs) funny story, the uh, corporate mind control album, the story that goes with that disclaimer, I did was not aware of the game, the Stanley parable before I made this album. I was not aware of its existence. Yeah. But the story is basically it's following this guy who works in this corporation. He goes in and does his nine to five every day through routine. And then one day he just kind of happens to notice something's a little off and it's not right, but he can't go to upper management or corporate level and tell them about it because they're in on it and they're part of it. So it's basically following his story of escaping and getting out before something goes wrong. And then uh, another funny story, I was making the album planet Neo Tokyo And exclusive to this podcast, I'm finally going to divulge the story behind it because I've refused to tell anybody what the story was because the whole thing was like, make your own, make this your own album, make up your own story. And then I wanted to hear what people came up with when, which it's kind of funny. A lot of people were right in vain with what I had in my head when I made it. I was not aware of the game Detroit Become Human before I made this album. But it basically is the story of this android who was flying through space and discovers this remote planet that looks very different from any other planet. So he lands to check it out and see what this, this place is all about. And pretty much the album goes through his story of discovery of, discovering who he is where how he can fit in this planet how he can fit in this society and so on and so forth again was not aware of the things that wound up coming out when i made them
0: <laughs> incredible
1: plus i was very big into uh, synthwave when i made that i'm still big into synthwave, and i wanted to just kind of be like let me try let me see if i can do it yeah so i wound up trying some new uh software and sound pools and different things and the only samples on well samples that i don't own. the only stolen samples on that album are the ones from movies that i pulled dialogue and bits and pieces from movies and threw in there everything else is all original same with uh jellyfish is all original with the exception of using that well I guess you could still say it's original since I took that MIDI and manipulated it beyond recognition for the uh, last track on Jellyfish. I don't know. Would that still be considered a sample?
0: I guess, technically.
1: Okay, that's the only sample on Jellyfish. Um, Time Hotel, I'm just going to say it's sampled MIDI style. But yeah, that's kind of all the concepts behind that. And those were just random ideas that I had. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to roll with this because I wanted to do Synthwave and... I like doing concept albums
0: yeah well, I feel like you should maybe not switch industries but it sounds like you've got the recipe for what Hollywood is gonna do before they do it down so maybe you need to Baby. write a film
1: <laughs> either that or I know what video games are gonna come out before they come out
0: yeah or make a game game story That's well awesome, I dude. am
1: looking into actually going to do um, sound engineering for video games and or movies or both um at some point here in the near future i am going to be moving to colorado which has more opportunity for me to do that
0: nice yeah Colorado's amazing
1: because my uh dream job would be working in the uh sound department of pixar but don't know that may or may not happen
0: <laughs> well you you certainly have the right attitude for it man let me tell you
1: I love making soundscapes and just sound design in general it's definitely a thing and just taking this one thing and seeing what I can turn this one thing into to the point where you can't even recognize it as its original thing anymore
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly um you mentioned a Mall soft record earlier by catcorp that you thought was you know maybe your favorite one or the one you agreed with humble yeah yeah the most um but you've actually made a mall soft record yourself <laughs> um released on laser burn audio uh, lazy the, days shopping
1: uh, lazy shopping days
0: yeah oh sorry lazy shopping one, days yeah
1: that one was how do i explain this one that one was kind of inspired by one of my best friends who was working in a department store at the time okay and then i was pulling um My memory of when I worked at Toys R Us, which essentially, I guess you could call it a department store of toys. And then they released the, uh, what was it? The the Kmart tapes to the public domain. So I started playing with those and kind of toying with the little in-between advertisings and stuff, which I even used some of those on Corporate Mind Control. And just kind of rolling with it just to see where it would end. And pulling from my memory and his stories and stuff of us working in the department store, I'm like, I can kind of gear this toward kind of sounding like this. Like this is a soundtrack to our jobs and that's really how it happened to be honest. But it, it was a fun little, little experiment. And dare I say, uh, <clears throat> cat Corp inspired a little bit. So that guy definitely, um, definitely has inspired me with, uh, a lot of things.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He's incredible.
1: him. Mesh, mesh has been a huge one. He was the one who uh, inspired me to uh, do broken transmission and just talking with him about like how he does certain things and how he comes up with stuff. Like we've had so many production, just talking shop conversations. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you, you said and- mesh, but it, for the uninitiated, it's N mesh. Is the is the like lettering? Is that right?
1: That is, and I say mesh, based off of what he's put in his mixtapes. Oh,
0: for sure. Just might not be searchable on YouTube or Google if you just type mesh. So it's n mesh. If anyone hasn't oh heard. yeah,
1: yeah, 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 <laughs> n mesh or nmesh.
0: Nmesh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not the n is silent. I think I yeah. don't know.
0: And you actually, <laughs> we've joked had um, your hands on that a little bit, didn't you? That nmesh uh, record.
1: Oh yeah, I did. I did the uh, mastering for the um my favorite album by him uh which was Dream Sequence.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's not a small thing. That
1: was that was so much fun. I remember having a lot of conversations. I was like, "I never noticed that you put this in there and, and you didn't put this in there." And then like just hearing all the stuff that I never realized the first 1000 times I listened to it. Every time I listen to it, I'm finding something new. Wow. And then <laughs> when i did the mastering for it he sent me the uh master audio files he's like oh yeah by the way i put a little easter egg in there for you that's going to get pressed into the record and i couldn't find it i could not find it anywhere and it's exclusive to the record you're not going to find it on the tape but um it wasn't until i went back and just kind of was messing with everything again because it was like you know, I keep hearing all this backwards stuff in here, and hearing, you know, I've never actually flipped it around to see what all is being said. No way. And that's when I heard yeah. it. I heard the Easter egg, end of side B, record one, for those who don't know, is the little Easter egg he threw in, which says my name.
0: Nice, man.
1: I geeked out when I, when I heard I I'm like, oh my God, my name is going to be in in the groove of the record. Yeah,
0: dude, that's phenomenal.
1: Like, it. it it was a weird moment. Like I did not know how to react because it's like kind of unreal that I mastered my favorite album by my favorite artist and I'm holding it. And on top of that, not only is my name on it in it, but my name's in yeah. it. Like, I do not know how to react to this. Am I sleeping or am I high? Yeah,
0: That's a beautiful story
1: What's going on. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was definitely a thing, and I'm still humbled, and I appreciate him choosing me to do that mastering so much. Like, I cannot speak highly of him enough. He just such a good guy. He was actually one of the first people that talked to me in the Vaporwave scene, and right out of the gate talked to me like I'm just one of the guys, which speaks volumes for him. It,
0: absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was going to say.
1: And Mesh, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry if I'm outing you as a nice guy. I don't mean to you know, ruin your reputation.
0: (laughs) You're (laughs) contaminating it. (laughs) That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, people love your work. Like, I love it. So, you know, we can finish that right there. Um, How do you feel that your work, your music that you create with DJ Asher, uh, Phoenix actually listened to some of your mixes on Mixcloud? And I don't know if too many people have heard that. But how would you say fit in with the Vaporwave scene? Omini
1: is just when I'm doing something as like an original quote-unquote concept or making what I feel is an album of original work or something. Um, The DJ Asher Phoenix is usually reserved for mixtapes or remixes or something, which I know I've done remixes under the Omini name as well. But usually the dj asher phoenix is strictly for just dj stuff and then everything else falls under the omen category okay but in terms of how they fit in i mean omen is kind of like mike pat there is no one genre that it fits in or they might be giants there's no one genre that they fit in Mm -hmm. it's omen has always been a project of i feel like doing this now and I do that thing that I feel like doing at that moment in time, and it's very much this is what I'm feeling at the time or what I'm into with the exception of one album, and that's Jellyfish. Jellyfish was the exact opposite of how I was feeling at the time, which that's a fun story.
0: Not a whole other story.
1: Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's not a happy one. It basically that album kept me from doing something stupid.
0: Well, sometimes the, uh, sometimes music is uh, is the cure for those things, right?
1: That in that case, it really was because it was either work on that album and finish it, which was a fantastic distraction from what was going on in my head, which was some very, very, very dark thoughts. Shit, <sighs> it, it was it, it was a uh, interesting thing. And the funny thing is, on the surface, the whole concept for Jellyfish is what would it be like to be a jellyfish just floating around aimlessly in the ocean with no thought, no brain, no ambition,
0: Not a care in the world.
1: You're just existing. Yeah. And that's the whole concept of the album. And when I was making it, it was this is how I want to feel right now, not how I am feeling. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, that's that. And then the DJ Asher Phoenix thing is if I'm doing a remix or a mixtape, which I've done a couple of vaporwave mixtapes. I even did one jumping on the Simpsons wave bandwagon. I wanted to do a video mixtape just to see if I could do it. And I did that. And then I released the audio as its own thing, which it's funny because the audio mix is actually twice as long as the video mix. And yeah, I mean, I just roll with whatever happens at the moment and, Where does this fit if it's a mixtape? It goes DJ Asher Phoenix, and that's that's really it.
0: That's really that must be really nice to have those two outlets kind of already set up for you. So if you have an idea, it's like bam, I have an outlet for it. Let's go, let's go. You know, a lot of the a lot of time people can't um, execute their ideas because they don't have a platform to do it, and making a platform is a whole can of worms, you know.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And then establishing it and then getting it out there, that's... And
0: reputable, yeah.
1: For somebody like me who lacks in confidence a lot of the time, that's the hardest part. hmm Getting over that confidence and anxiety and just put it out there and see what happens. Put your baby out there and let it let it go out into the world.
0: hmm And hope it doesn't get buried no. by the, all the other releases coming out at that hour of that day.
1: Yeah, I've <laughs> suffered from that <laughs> happening a couple times. Oh, wow. Where it's like... I'm going to put this out at this point, And then I find out at that point that I didn't know ahead of time. Oh crap. Telepath just dropped something. Well, I guess I'm not going to be noticed that day. Yeah. And some
0: <laughs> things you can't really plan for, like maybe business casual or geometric lullaby. They have it on a schedule, but yeah. like neon city, if they're doing a picture disc, it's like, I don't know.
1: Well, I guess I'm not going to be noticed that day. Either, yeah. Cause man, neon city, they're, I'm glad they bounced back. I am very happy they bounced back because I've talked to the guys that run that, and they're all super nice. I mean, yeah, they made mistakes. uh, Sammy, I don't know if I've talked to him,
0: Mm. but
1: I know I've talked to Davey. Okay, Davey has been just absolutely fantastic and phenomenal. Like he's just an awesome guy. Awesome. And I even helped him with a couple things, like I uh, remastered one or two uh, albums he put out.
0: Oh, damn. Well, shout and out, I just shout did out it to Davey just, from Neon City. Yeah,
1: and I just did it just for the sake of doing it because I loved the album so much. I'm like, here, take this. This will sound better when you dub the next ones. Yeah. And that that was really it.
0: There you go. That was nice of you. Uh, to go on a bit of a tangent, I have one question for you. What do you think of the current trends of the vaporwave scene right now? We kind of see We've seen it change copious times over the years you know i often think about this and i i wonder if you do too and you know the other artists that i listen to and that we interview it's just it's getting harder to find good samples to use <laughs> that haven't been used like it's a really oversaturated market right now depending on what what genre you want to go with like macross has all the city pop and you know those guys desired and future funk it's hard to find things that haven't been used yet unless you're super creative like you and use MIDI files, for example, just because we don't see too many new vaporwave artists rising to the top like we do in future funk or even lo-fi hip hop, you know, with incendies or ginseng. I just think people might be forced to sort of start challenging themselves again and not and won't be able to copy or reproduce what everyone's already been doing, um, which there's nothing nothing wrong with. But I just feel like it it won't be able to last forever. You know, someone needs to kind of push the envelope a little bit.
1: Well, this is a twofold answer. The first one, in terms of where it's going and where it's at, mm-hmm. I think I have a personal. Gripe with anybody who just buys tapes for the sole purpose of flipping them.
0: Yeah, me too. Because,
1: as for me, I just love to buy the music and have that physical thing, knowing that I supported an artist that created something that I like. And I just, I want to hear their music and I want to hold an artifact from their creative output. But then you got these scalpers and flippers that go and buy 20 copies of. Whatever it is, and that screws us fans that just want to have it, the artist, and we want to hear it and we want to hold that thing. Now we can't get it. And we got to pay this scalper hundreds of dollars just to get that artifact or that tape or mini disc or whatever it is. And I, those people, they're still there. They're still a pain in the butt. And honestly, I don't think they're ever going to go away. Um, I have noticed there's a lot of beef and controversy that keeps creeping up in the scene and I keep coming back to why can't we just go back to just being supportive of one another, hyping one another and just, you know, being a supportive community. That's all about just building this empire that we've all had a hand in or whatever. But then on the bright side, I have noticed that there are those, I have found that there are those people in this community that are all about those values of being supportive of one another and hyping one another and, you know, sharing ideas and doing what we do and just being all about the art and the passion of it. And that I'm starting to see come about more and more. I'm also seeing slowly, but surely people take more chances and experiment a little and see what happens. Like the floppy disk resurgent happened again there for a minute. disk is kind of doing its thing again. Um, people are trying to be a little bit more unique with their tapes and their presentation, which I'm just, I'm getting a kick out of that because I'm seeing some really cool stuff come out. But I think for the community and the vaporwave scene as a whole, and I'm using vaporwave as a blanket term because I know there's, what, 20, 30 subgenres under it. That whole community as a whole, we all need to start, as you said, start challenging yourself. Don't be inspired by who you like and take what that person did, put your twist on it, but don't copy it. Like for me with Mesh, I, like, I love his broken transmission style, and I've talked to him about it. I take that and like, okay, now that I know how he did it, how am I going to do it? Don't be the next telepath or the next waterfront dining or the next cat corp or the next mesh or whatever. Be the first you. Go do you. Be the first one of you and blow everybody away with what you have. Don't be afraid to try something. I mean, I made an entire noise album just on the spur of the moment that I put out on 8AM Records just based off of a random idea of let's take extra tone and slow it down to 120 beats per minute and see what it says that was it and then a bunch of other random sounds that i just hobbled together and here i did a noise thing and from what the uh label owner of 8am said i had a very unique twist on the whole noise genre and i did something different um kind of like with the Warm Bodies movie, they did something different. Let's, let's turn it around and do something that hasn't really been done before. You know, there's no harm in that. Um, in terms of, you know, sample digging, I'm starting to look into some of the most obscure spots that I can think of to find stuff that people have not used before. In terms of Unknown Analog, a lot of the stuff and samples that I used on Unknown Analog were promotional records that you'd find in magazines, little floppy records or random postcard records or just the most obscure random stuff and take this thing and see how can I turn it on its head and turn it into something different. Um, I'm starting to dig into old Mac computers and old DOS and Windows 311 stuff just to see what has been overlooked from old demo discs or old games or whatever or even old um toy music making programs and just see what i find and oh this thing sounds cool to my ears how can i turn that into something don't look in the same places that everybody else has already picked through look somewhere else look outside the box look somewhere different when everybody else is looking to the left look to the right or look up or look down or look diagonal or look behind you see What's different that they are not looking at? You know, that's what I try to do. There's been a couple times I've actually stumbled on the same sample that somebody else has already used. Like there was one track um that I used on corporate mind control that wound up being the exact same sample source that um light used for their one song. And I, I was like, Well, crap, I just used the same thing they did. So I tried to flip it and make it sound completely different from what they did. That's that's what I think would push this forward is look different places for things.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's great advice.
1: Dig out that old box of VHSs from your mom's basement and see what's there. Look at the commercials. Look at the TV shows. Don't look at the music. Mm -hmm. See what you can manipulate, see what you can sample. Look in between the lines, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and see what's there and use that.
0: And uh, other countries have, you know, a whole history of recorded media. And I'm noticing a lot of people doing that. Spanish, Spanish radio record I've heard recently. I forget who it was by. I don't remember,
1: honestly. (laughs) I couldn't tell you. But uh, yeah, like look, look somewhere else. Look, look somewhere different. And just see see what you find. That's, that's part of the fun of sample digging is just seeing, you know, what else there is and not what already is. Yeah. Like the one project that I'm working on that I've been working on, God, since last year, just curating samples as I've been going back through um, The Prodigy, Dr. Dre, various other people like uh, Fatboy Slim, Chemical Brothers, etc. What did they sample? And just curating all those samples, and that's a great question. Putting them into a folder, and then I'm going to chop up all those original sample sources and turn it into a beat tape of my own making and my own design.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the concept for that.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's going to have to be the case. Like I just I'm sitting here every day waiting. I'm like, all right, who's going to be the next you know luxury elite? Like, right? You know, that's just. Waiting and waiting and waiting.
1: <laughs> and here I'm waiting for somebody to be the next them.
0: Yeah. Like
1: looking for the next. Touché. Touché. You're this person. You're not them or the, as you put it, the next luxury leader, the next telepath. You're you were mm-hmm. you. Which, I mean, I did a telepath sounding thing, but I didn't do it the way he does. It.
0: Yeah. I am more. I don't mean to copy the sound. I just mean to, to get the notoriety, you know, the fame. to have people be to have your your tapes be extremely sought after it seems like the people that are releasing things that that happens to have been around for a long time so yeah I'm just like
1: Telepath or Cat Corp or Price or Mm -hmm. Luxury Elite, St. Pepsi aka Skyler Spence aka whatever his real name is (laughs) you know those guys they, they did something And at that point, when they were doing that something, it was new, it was fresh, it was different. Mm -hmm. And then we got a bunch of people that, you know, they took that and some copied it, some copied it, but put their own twist on it, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you want to take this thing that inspires you and put your own twist on it, by all means, do it. Funkwear Inc. was inspired by... Uh, St. Pepsi's Late Night Delight. I mean, that's where the whole idea and sound came from for that. Oh, wow. It was like, I want to try to do this my way. Yeah. And the first Vaporwave album, like, okay, I discovered Vaporwave and it's... Let's do it as simply as it seems to be put. Let's slow down a bunch of old 80s tunes and stuff and new age whatever and see what happens. I'm like, this... Do, do the easy and keep it simple. And then kind of learning from that and exploring what I was doing a little bit more, talking to people, pull it in and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be afraid to talk to one another either. Share ideas. I mean, there's nothing wrong with collaboration or taking what somebody has already done and they told you how to do it and then put your own twist on it.
0: Yeah, you never sure. know.
1: You might come up with something new that hasn't been heard before. Mm-hmm. Which, even in mainstream music, that's hard to do anymore, either.
0: Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's why
1: pop radio all sounds the same anymore. (laughs) I remember back in the 90s, you could turn on the radio, and for an hour straight, you'd hear probably 10 different songs that all sound unique to themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now
1: you turn it on every half hour, it's the same five songs.
0: That's a good point. The same sounding songs, yeah. (laughs) And only Uh two genres, only pop and... I guess you could call it hip hop. It's like that new rap style. That that mumble rap crap. Yeah, triplets. There's a lot of different versions of it, but it's just it's it's different. We'll, we'll leave it at that.
1: There is there has been very little that has come out of that that I like, and there's only one artist that I will admit to liking out of it. Kendrick. And that's little Pete. Oh, true. Nope, I like little Pete. Little Peep has been the only one that's come out of that group of music that I will go out of my way to listen to all his tracks because I'm not going to lie, he's good. God rest his soul. I wish he uh, was still around and could give us more.
0: Yeah. now nah, We could have a whole nother episode on on that topic, like just tragedy in music sort of. Shit. Maybe I'll do that. Heaven's
1: day. got one heck of a band up there right now.
0: Yeah. Supergroup. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So to pull it back a little bit, I know um, section nine is actually on hold right now. So can you give us a little bit of inf- information about that, and um, you know maybe what you have planned for in the future for uh, fans to look forward to?
1: Well, that is true. Section nine is officially on hold at the direct moment. I'm not closing it up, so nobody has to worry. I'm not. I'm not putting it to bed and calling it quits. It's on hold at the direct moment for me to learn bigger and better things so that I can come back doing bigger and better stuff with Section 9, like Mm -hmm. maybe even reel-to-reel releases, maybe actually start cutting vinyl. I don't know. I'm doing a lot of research and trying to see where I want to go with it. Plus, I have to reorganize my life, so to speak, to accommodate being able to still do Section 9 and keep up with it. Yeah as well as I'm taking this time to uh, finish some projects that I have been basically sitting on of my own. Like I mentioned the beat tape that I want to do. There's a sequel that I want to do to planet Neo Tokyo that I'm working on. Um, There's a sequel to after these messages that I'm going to be working on that may or may not have some surprised uh, guests on it that Mm -hmm. I'm hoping pan out. Sweet. And that's going to be called uh, We'll Be Right Back. Perfect. And then I have some various other things that I'm not sure where they're going to go. I know I have one uh, ambient album that I'm doing that's using everything but Ableton, which is what I use normally to do pretty much everything that I do now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm using random generative audio apps on my cell phone, uh, random apps on the various computers that I have and just kind of making this pretty ambient album that i want to do and i'm going to be giving that to hairs of in to put out because i promised him a good ambient album since that's majority of what he has on his label but um i was like let me get you a good ambient album since you really dig like some of this ambient stuff that i did yeah and um kind of going with that concept of let me see what i can just generate out of using my cell phone my ipad the other computers that I have and things that aren't Ableton and then taking all the little bits and pieces and the end result will end in Ableton for mastering and assembly and just putting it together. See, see where it goes just for the fun of it and just to challenge myself Mm -hmm. and the beat tape. I have no idea what that's even going to sound like at this point. I have a idea and a concept for it which I'm going to take all those, like I was saying, those different samples that Dre and the Prodigy and all them have used before and just kind of doing something different with them, but still making an essentially a beat tape. And then Planet Neo Tokyo is going to continue that story, um, probably finish it of that android finally discovering his place and being happy and comfortable where he's at and just living out the rest of his life. We'll be right back, which is the sequel to After These Messages. It's going to be another broken transmission thing that I'm probably going to be using tape manipulation in, as well as just using this plethora of different commercials and stuff that I've uh, been unearthing again. When uh, me and my buddy were doing the panel for the convention we were at, I uh, was sitting there watching all the Sega commercials and stuff from back in the day. I'm like, man, I remember these. And just kinda of take those and do my thing with them and see what happens.
0: Incredible, man. And then uh so cool.
1: See see what the uh possible special guests on it will uh bring to it as well, since Ooh. they're the two that kind of inspired me to do what I'm doing. Nice. Just kind of trying to bring everything full circle as well. Yeah. They know who they are.
0: Yeah. And you would do that too with your all your themes and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if
1: I inspired anyone and they wanted me to collab with them on something, I'd totally be down for it as long as I had the time to do it. You know, why not?
0: Nice. Okay. Well, anyone who wants to work with Section 9, uh, (laughs) actually, you you may as well reach out. You never know. But
1: uh, You never know what will happen. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right place at the right time. Like we were saying before this episode, that's how a lot of these things just happen
1: that really is i mean that's how the cat corp telepath split happened the cat corp double album happened how um me mastering meshes dream sequence happened mm-hmm. uh me working with uh wizard of loneliness who i admire so much yeah, and i was doing that him too, adult right? swim thing yeah we did the uh, adult swim sounding uh album
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um you yeah, know that just just happened and yeah <laughs> with that one i i I have to give him credit he's going to hate me for this but i have to give him credit for this there was a moment with that split that i had all my tracks laid out and one of them i actually had to redo because it sounded too much like a gorillas track because i wound up using the same sample source that gorillas did for one of their songs okay and um so i had to change it up and did something different with it but um I was kind of at a standstill and at a stall and I could not think of what else to do with it. And then me and him were talking about it and I'm like, this doesn't sound done and I'm not happy with it. I don't know what to do. And he pointed me in a few different directions. And I took those few different directions and just rolled with it and was managed to uh, finish what, uh? What is it? Side A of Night Swim, just from him be like, look over here, <laughs> and like, oh, had an aha moment, mm-hmm. and then that just happened. I had we had a lot of fun working on that. That that was so much fun, and we still argue of whose side's better because I still say his side's better. Yeah, <laughs> and I will say his side's better until my last breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i don't know if i picked uh, that up so i i would have to listen to the digital one it was it was definitely
1: fun fun to put together and we both got really nostalgic
0: with it yeah exactly because we were
1: going back digging through all the adult swim stuff like for me the i think what happened or on its own is for me i was going with the original i get i would it be original yeah, the original just in between little bumps where it was kind of experimental and sometimes hip hop influenced and little off, kind of. And then he did the more hip hop and Nujebi's sounding breakbeat stuff. And we're like, how do we put this together and kind of have both of it? And that's where we came up with the concept of us having an argument at the end of Side A where we it was basically a uh adult swim guy and then a tsunami guy and they're sitting there arguing of which one's better yeah. and just we just had fun with it and then, <laughs> and then him interrupting me cuz I went a little too far off deep end with an experimental track which yeah. was actually intentional <laughs> yeah that, that that was that was just a blast to do
0: nice man yeah all of these stories are so nice like to to provide these uh production diaries I guess you know, you can't find this information anywhere online. So, um, you know, it's a really special treat for everybody here to get this information from you. It's uh, much appreciated.
1: I I did upload a video at one point. It's on YouTube and Facebook, and I called it "Mission Accomplished." It's under the Section Nine Agent One username, where I actually go through every thing that I have released since I started in this scene. And give little stories about it. So, if you want more in depth of stories behind each album or things that I've worked on, you know, I go in in depth a little bit with that in that hour long video.
0: Mm -hmm. Link me that. I was surprised that it went on for an hour. Yeah, link it to me. I'll put it in the description of the uh, of the podcast so people can get right to it. I can do that. (laughs) I will do that as soon as we're done. No, actually, no pressure. Um, well, that's that's pretty much all my questions, man. This was a long, incredibly fascinating conversation. I think it was almost an hour and a half. Um, oh, wow.
1: Yeah, an hour and a half.
0: So if there's anything you want to say or any um, you know, props you want to give to people, kind of now's your time because it's pretty much the end of the show.
1: <laughs> I think I've shouted out everybody I can think of off the top of my head at this point. Because everybody I I would shout out has been part of my journey.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes You know, I did
1: not mention Lucid Sound Driver once. Shame on me. Shame. I'm sorry. Everybody needs to go check out Lucid Sound Driver and all his work because the guy is freaking talented. And he puts so much heart and soul into his work. Mm-hmm. Go check him out. Yeah, that's the only person I forgot. Shame on me.
0: <laughs> no worries. He'll, he'll yell
1: at me later. Yeah, it is. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Cool. Well, uh, I don't know. Nothing else from my end.
1: Yeah, I don't have anything else to say, and I wish everybody the best of luck in their adventures and keep looking outside the box and come up with something new. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. You have a good night.
0: Okay. Thanks a lot, Emmanuel. All the best. Take care. What a gentleman. That was Emmanuel from Section 9 Tapes also known as om and i or dj asher phoenix you can catch him on all the socials and definitely keep an eye out for him because section 9 is going to be doing some interesting things very soon we're going to leave you with a song this one is called the shores and it's from his record that we talked about during the show jellyfish take care everyone and we'll see you next time